Welcome back in to the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Good morning, everybody. World series last night came to an end. The uh, weird uh, major league baseball season came to an end and the Rays. you live by the sword. You die by the sword. Kevin cash pulls Blake Snell in the sixth inning because he didn't want the top of the Dodgers lineup to face him for a third time. Everybody is ripping him. Everybody. Everybody. And I get it. It's hard not to because it immediately backfired. It's one nothing. It's in the sixth. You got this former Cy Young winner. You got this amazing pitcher. He's on the mound. It's the World Series. You've got the lead. You can get this thing to game seven. Blake Snell's like, man, I just, I, I want the ball, man. Uh. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, definitely disappointed, upset. Um, you know, I don't know. I just want the ball. I felt good. I felt I did everything I could to, you know, prove my case to stay out there. You know, it's going to be tough, man. Like, I, I get it's a third time through the lineup, but, I mean, you, what I think I'm going to make the adjustments I need to make as I see them, you know, a third time, I think – I don't know, man. I just believe in me. I believe in my stuff. I believe in, you know, what I was nobody. Um, they had two, you know, hits up the middle. And, you know, the slider to Barnes, you know, tip your cap. That was a bad pitch. Um, and he got a hit off that. Good job. But for, for most of that game, man, I was dominating every, you know, every every out, outcome possible. So, um, and that lineup is so talented, like so talented. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm proud in the way that, you know, I scouted them. I scouted myself. I'm just proud of everything I did to to put the team in a situation to win. And and I wanted to keep going, man. I felt I felt so confident, you know, how I adjusted through seeing them a second time and what I was going to be able to do a third time. Like, man, I just I believed a lot in myself and what I did to, you know, hopefully see him a third time through and a fourth time if needed. I mean, I wanted to go that whole game. That was my. That was everything I wanted to do was just, you know, burn the tank and see how far I could go. I mean, I get it. Everybody gets it. It's how he should feel. It's how he's supposed to feel. And and at some point, well, the human element, you got to just stop trusting computers. But, like, the computers, the analytics – is what took Tampa Bay all the way to game six of the World Series. If he – I mean, look, Snell, Snell was feeling it, okay? Like I, I, As you say it out loud to someone that doesn't follow baseball closely, you realize it sounds pretty ridiculous. Like, well, here's why they do it, and here's why they've been doing it. I, I, I get it. But you live by the sword, you die by the sword, because that sword took him the entire way on the brink of a game seven. If you bail that now, if Snell gives up two runs in a few plays, you know, a few batters later, you you all know, you all know that the reaction would have been exactly the same in terms of the criticism, only reverse. What the hell are you doing leaving him out there? Come on. I mean, you, you, you've gone all this way, and now you're just going to get away from what you've been doing all year? He got away a little bit in game one from what the Rays did all season, and he got roasted for it. He didn't get away from what they've been doing all season last night. It didn't work, and he got roasted for it. That's just the reality of, you know, when you're in the big moment in sports, when you make those kind of calls. And I didn't like it either. 
I wanted to see the drama of out there when he's feeling it, and then the discussion afterwards. If it would have been, hey, you, at some point you got to just throw the computer out and just go with your gut, Vader. You know, give me, give me something good. But boy, that backfired really, really quickly. Really, really quickly. And Kevin Cash, look, he said, look, I regretted the outcome. But I don't really regret my decision. It just didn't work out. You know, thought process was right. He said if he had, I mean, Kevin Cash doubled down. He's like, look, if I had to do it over again, I, I, I would have put Nick Anderson out there again. Oh, man. I get it, man. And I love that after all that stuff Snell said, he's like, but I'm not going to question him. He's a hell of a manager. I'm not going to question him. (laughs) It's tough, man. It's a tough way to go out in the final game of the season when you were, oof, you were close, man. And then it doesn't help when you got Dave Roberts and every player on the Dodgers and Mookie Betts saying, man, we were relieved when they took Snell off the mound. Oh, were we relieved? That was great. We were all smiling. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, shout out to the Dodgers. And then and then afterwards, in the most 2020 moment of the weird baseball season that was, um, a man who was playing early in the game then got pulled in the middle of the game because he had the coronavirus and had to go isolate. But then whenever the World Series in, it just boof, ran out onto the field with his teammates, celebrated, jumped everywhere, smooching his wife, posing for pictures, enjoying the moment, one he's waited for his whole life. Yeah. Hope everybody's okay. Dave Roberts did have Hodgkin lymphoma 10 years ago. So hope everything's all right. It was, Bottom line is it was a very odd scene. Um, and one that just, I don't know, man, it, 2020 is weird. Baseball was weird, but this idea that the Dodgers should have like an asterisk or something like that. No, 2020 is an aberration. I get it. You're playing in a bubble under the specter of a pandemic, shortened season, all this other stuff, but everybody's playing under it as well. And you can say, oh, it's easier to do it with 60 games when you got the, the best team on paper. Okay. But there are also a lot more teams in the playoffs and a lot smaller margin for error once you got to the early part of the postseason. So you can argue either way. I'm not going to put an asterisk next to it. 269-1077, Phone lines are open for you here this morning on the Great Scott Show. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Welcome into the show. Hello. Why did the Red Sox get rid of uh, Mookie Betts? Like, I, I don't... Tell you what, I man. How, how do you think Red Sox fans were feeling watching Mookie Betts this postseason? I'm sure they don't care, man. You know, they won three titles in the last... Oh, years, oh, you know? you're, you're, you're talking about one of the pettiest fan bases out there. I guarantee you they care. I'm sure they were sitting around... They might say, oh, who cares, whatever. <laughs> they care. Trust me, they care. But why, though? Why, why they got rid of him? The gold chains. Um, it, it was so funny. I heard, I heard a caller uh, mention that. Oh, 
the gold chains around their neck. I'm thinking to myself, damn, I, I guess y'all wasn't watching baseball in the 90s. <laughs> you, you always had players wearing uh, gold chains around you, their you, neck. You had, you had players wearing gold on the, you know, the, the icks that, you know, had the historic run of the World Series. No, that's not it. They, you know, I think they got in a situation <laughs> with um, David Price's contract, which was a bad one. And the Dodgers said, "Look, we'll pay we'll pay half of Price's remaining money, so we'll save you guys money, and uh, you guys give us Mookie." And you know, uh, Betts had turned down a ten year, three hundred million dollar extension. So at that point, they didn't want to go higher than that, and that's how it all unfolded. Yeah, I, I knew the Dodgers were going to win this year, man. It, it was they were destined to win. Um, <laughs> Since that situation with Houston, and, and they felt that they were robbed of a title, I knew they were going to win. Um, I, I think it gives hope to people like you, man. Dodgers' last title was in '88. I know the team you root for was '86. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know they've been there a couple of times. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, but, hey, new ownership, uh, man. New ownership. That's actually the best thing that could have possibly happened to the Mets, honestly. So I'm, I'm actually excited. <laughs> Nineteen. Think about nineteen eighty-eight, man. The Lakers won a title that year, mm-hmm. um, and now the Dodgers won a title. You know, well, they won a title that year also. Uh, and look, this year, uh, twenty twenty. Of course, as uh, some might think, uh, that, you know, both of the titles are weak due to the situation. But hey, everyone not went out there. They played. Um, and in '89, it was what? Uh, well, the '88 season, was the '88 season, but the '89 Super Bowl was what? The Niners, I think, beating the Bengals. Yeah, Icky Woods. Yep. By the way, uh, Icky Woods will be on this show on Friday. <laughs> I kid you not. So, Wait, what? Icky, I'm going to interview Icky Woods. We're going to ask him about the Icky <laughs> Shuffle. He'll be on Friday. Looking forward to it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had a chance to plug it there. I wasn't expecting to, but uh, that's how I got there. I came out of I came out of left field out of um, nowhere. It's happening. Man, hey, yeah, hey, man. Woods. Uh, hey, hey, hey! You, you, I sent you an email. You know, I don't know if you're going to read it since I called. Um, but I, I'm like you, man. <laughs> Let them play. Let's go out there. You, you know, y'all had nothing to lose. Let's let's see what happens. Do you see that? You see, with that type of thinking, Jack Morris would have never happened. Man. No, you're with right. That, oh, you I know, mean, yeah, yeah. Case, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tired of this, man. But but you know, but, they, but I, if they if they hadn't rolled with it, they probably wouldn't have gotten to the World Series. Then I understand, you know, I understand that you know there was a stat they threw out there: uh, Shell having pitched past six in like two, three seasons or something. They said it could have been more seasons. You know, like you said, I know you had injuries. Um, it's like the same thing. Guess. It's like it's like certain teams get away from it and certain teams lately. Like, I remember the Strasburg thing with the Nats back in the day where they just refused to let them play a certain amount of games because of a long-term deal that they didn't want to, that they worried about injury wise doctors told them. So they're in the postseason. They actually had a team good enough to win, but they're like, we're not doing it. We're not playing Strasburg. Now that was more of a entire season outlook and, and as opposed to a single moment in time. But I think the teams that just truly, um, there are certain teams that will will not back off of the analytics no matter what, and the Rays are are, are clearly one of them. And well, I didn't like it. Look, I, I didn't like it from a viewing standpoint. Now I might defend it over people that are like, "How can you do it?" I'm like, "Look, it's what they've done all year. That's that's the only arg- That's the only counter argument there is." But as a viewer, 
Oh, dude. I mean, leave him out there. I want. I wanted to see. I wanted to see Blake go possibly the whole game or wait until he gets hit up or something. Uh, because once it, it it didn't take long for that thing to backfire, and once it did, it was like this game's over. Like there's no way. There's no way the Dodgers are losing this game. That was the that was the moment it was all done, and and we don't get a game seven tonight. Congratulations to uh, Jay Walker. Thank you. Thank you. Man, Jay's happy. Believe that. He is happy. Dodgers fan. <sighs> yeah. No, sorry. It was it was a random time to plug it, but but yeah. And and to in top, yeah, the the Strasburg thing, he was on an innings limit coming off of Tommy John surgery. But you remember, yes, it wasn't an analytics deal, but but it was I mean, Washington got criticized for it a lot. And Strasburg's like, I want to go. At least give me a shot as to postseason. You know, these things you never know when you have your – and they got ripped for it. They weren't going to back off of it. Different situation, but same mindset of no matter what. And you could say, hey, look, a medical thing versus an analytics thing. There are – trust me, there are some teams that say medical be damned. They just go out there. We have a pitch count. Forget about the pitch count. In these moments, you just go for it. 41 after the hour, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather, coming to you from the ESPN 1420 studio, sponsored by Roofing Louisiana. Ah, boy. Culture. How does one build a strong culture in sports, in professional sports, in the NBA? In New Orleans with the Pelicans. Stan Van Gundy explained it, his thoughts. My friend Ali Cassell asked him about it yesterday in Stan's opening press conference as Pelicans head coach. Dwayne Wade, in his book, talked about building a, talked about the, the heat culture. You hear Udonis Haslam talk about it a lot. And they both say, look, it started years ago under Van Gundy. And Gundy said, look, we never really called it culture back then. But culture is a word within sports, and you see it a lot at UL, right? You see the hashtag culture with the U and the L capitalized since Napier got here, and it is a part of it. You hear the players talk about it. It is not put on. It is not cliche. It is the fabric of what they are attempting to build and improve on every single day. But how do you avoid it becoming just a cliche and becoming the actual difference in a consistent winning culture? Here's Stan Van's thoughts on that next right here. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Beyond the Game with Steve Pelican coming up at 9. 
Norman Locke, of course, will join me tomorrow morning as he does each Thursday. Is he still just going to stand by Mike McCarthy? Is Norm, Norm essentially, when he comes to Mike McCarthy, is that meme of the dog in the burning house saying, this is fine. This is fine. The, the Cowboys have become a, comically bad. Like, it's a circus now. When Mike Nolan, who is running the worst defense in NFL history statistically to this point of the last 60 years, and rubs his eye and it immediately starts tearing up and turning red because he has Tabasco on his fingers, you can't make this stuff up. It's like, well, if you're going to be bad, you might as well be comically bad. You might as well not be boring. And nothing about the Cowboys is boring. When Mike McCarthy drops a line, is is some, you know, analytical anomaly. I'm going to blow their minds with this one. Well, you know, if you do stat show games, you have a better chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> he said it. He said it. What if like, what if there's some more, at this point, Philly has tied. Imagine if the NFC East ends in like a, a four-way tie or a three-way tie or whatever. Let's say a four-way tie. And they got to do a coin flip. And, you know, because all the tiebreakers are all just the same. So let's do a coin flip. And the winning team, oh, you get to host the playoff game. And the losing team, well, you didn't make the playoffs, but you do get to keep your draft pick at, like, number four overall. Shoot, man, the team that gets in the playoffs is going to be like, dang it. Now we have to pick, what, 18th, 19th? Or maybe it's worse because you won the division. Might be in the 20s. (laughs) Hey, shout out Magic Johnson. He became a champion in three different leagues. Of course, five-time champion as a player with the Lakers. Won a championship as an owner with the L.A. Sparks in the WNBA and now ownership with the L.A. Dodgers. Got a championship there. Winning. Winning. ESPN 1420. Ah, good stuff, man. Stan Van Gundy, culture. Two real beliefs I have on culture um, are it, it has very little to do with what you say, and it has everything to do with what you do on an everyday basis. You know, I, I said, I've said to people in the past, I, I started my NBA career uh, working under Pat Riley in Miami, and, you know, now uh, they talk about heat culture all the time. But when I was there, uh, and I was there for for over 10 years, I never remember Pat even using that word, culture. I never remember him talking about culture. And yet, every guy on our roster could have told you exactly what what the culture was of the Miami Heat. So you build your culture day by day, interaction by interaction, practice by practice, step by step. And over time, People will see what our organization is all about, what our leaders are all about in the organization, and then down to the players, and then the players who are around us for a while pass it on to the other players. That's how you build a culture. There's no overnight uh, to that. It's not, you know, you, you can only accelerate that process so much. It takes time. It, it takes, you know, day after day stuff. And then the second thing, that I believe about culture is it as much as Griff and Trajan and Swin and Bryson and, and even above us to 
to Mrs. Benson and to Dennis Lausha, uh, you know, to myself and my coaching staff, as much as any of us try to set the example on a culture for our basketball team, what our culture actually ends up becoming uh, will be what our best players decide that it's going to be. And so those are the guys that have to take the responsibility for creating the kind of culture that we all want here with the Pelicans. There you have it. Long answer, but yeah. How about that roster, Stan Van? How you can improve it? Where does it need to improve? Look, as I said before, the thing that's most exciting to me is I think when Griff and Trajan and their team uh, started putting together this roster last year, there's a great mix. There's a, a lot of exciting young talent with the potential to really grow into something great. But alongside of them, you, you've got some very productive, high-character veterans. So, you know, with great experience. So that, to me, that mix is the most exciting thing. As we get more specific, I, I think, you know, it's a team that has proven they can play with great pace. There's incredible depth on the team. We've got a lot of people who can shoot the ball. And then you've got two of the most unique young guys in the entire league. Uh, Brandon Ingram, who's you know the most improved player in the league, uh, is one of those you know really tall, long guys who plays like a, a point guard who can get to anywhere on the floor and score the ball. And then I don't even know the comparison to Zion. He, he, he's unique in the way he plays. Um, but this is a guy coming off an injury uh, for most of the year uh, that was able to come in and be extremely productive and efficient. There's just not people like that. So, you know, there's just a lot to build around there. Uh, as far as changes, I, look, it, it's not a change when, I, when I'm talking, uh, and, and I love that uh, Griff started this whole thing off by giving so much credit to Alvin because Alvin's a guy that I've always had great respect for both as a coach and as a person. So I never, it's never a comparison between Alvin did it this way, I'm going to do it this way. A lot of it is just where we are in the development of this team. And I think it's clear just by the numbers uh, that where this team has to get better is at the defensive end of the floor. And we're going to have to make uh, a real commitment at that end. From a coaching staff point of view, that commitment is to do a great deal of teaching and, and getting down to where we really understand what we're doing on that end of the floor. And from a player's point of view, the players are going to have to make the commitment that if we want to win at a high level in a very, very talented Western Conference, then we are going to have to be a very good defensive team, and they're going to have to put in the time and effort. So it's all of us have to make uh, the commitment to get better at that end. There's Stan Van Gundy, and here's the thing. A lot of things he said at the press conference yesterday, he said on the Zach Lowe podcast months ago when the Pelicans were still playing in regards to the roster, so... Means what he says. Don't go anywhere. Beyond the game with Steve Pelican's next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning at ESPN1420 and dot com.